Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I'm going to do a few kind of uh, one-off type messages. I'm not necessarily starting off a series. I just, I have a few key things that I want to accomplish at the beginning of the year with some of these messages. Now, if you're new or you're kind of new or you're watching online, you're not super familiar with our messages. We have just hundreds and hundreds of free stuff on our YouTube channel, our website. You can go watch. We have a welcome to the family course. We have a core uh, beliefs and values series with 10 messages in there, just really root you in, in, in where we stand on a lot of things. But one of the things that I will always do is go back and affirm the foundation of the gospel, affirm what Christ accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection, and how that relates to you and how to live in the power of his resurrection, shaping your identity to then serve God in a way that glorifies him. We're just always going to affirm that, always go back to the fundamentals. And it's not that we're, we're, we're just talking about elementary things. It's just that we forget. I want, and I want you to be anchored in the pillars, one of them being forgiveness. And this is kind of what I want to talk about today is that you are forgiven. Say that. Say, I am forgiven. God has forgiven you. In fact, Colossians 3.13, uh, Paul's teaching and he's teaching the church and he says, you know, forgive one another as Christ, your Lord, has forgiven you. You know, under the old, before the finished work of Christ, it was, if you don't forgive others, you're not going to be forgiven. It was a law-based type of thing. But now under the new, because the blood of Christ has been shed, and it's not to say that what Jesus said was wrong, and we're not changing what Jesus said, but the covenant changed. And that's a big deal. We're always going to affirm those kinds of things. And forgiveness for your sin is an anchor promise in the covenant because Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for sin. The, the way that sin is forgiven is through sacrifice, and Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for all your sin. Past, present, future. Amen? Now, if you hear that, and your mind goes to, well, you're saying I'm forgiven for things that I haven't even done yet? Well, then, then it doesn't really matter what I do, and I could just get away with it. I don't know. I mean, if that's, what, if that's how you hear it, it's like you've never read the book of Romans or something like that. Go read Romans 6, because well, that was the answer that Paul gave. They said, well, so, so you're saying we can sin? He said, mm, No. God forbid. No, don't you know that sin's going to kill you? No, God's not mocked. Whatever you reap, you're going to sow, of course. Wait a minute. You think the fact that you're forgiven makes you think that you might want to sin? You got some growing up to do. If, if in your thinking, you think the standing of forgiveness opens the door to continue in sin, then that person is unaware of the effects of the blood of Christ and also unaware of the maturity that the Holy Spirit can bring within you. 
I mean, if I could just preach the same sermon every Sunday, it would be, stop it, grow up, and trust God. Amen? August, I feel like that was a, that was a mantra. You, I know you resonate with that. <laughs> so, again, I just affirm, I don't have a super you know, deep revelation. I just want you to walk out of here knowing where you stand with God today. You know, a lot of our messages are very practical in terms of here's a study tip, here's a study tool, now go renew your mind and experience transformation. Sometimes it's, let's just talk about the, like last week. Oh, by the way, man, what time is it? If you were here last week or if you watched online, how awesome were all those testimonies? And it was so interesting how it happened because none of it was planned. And, and th now this is not to highlight me. I am not taking credit for this, but I just want to show you how it works. I was down there on the front row and Adam and I had discussed, you know, sometimes he closes out worship and takes us into the announcements and all that. And we had determined ahead of time, that's what he was going to do is close it down and set up the announcements. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I just get this sense of, it's like, no, there's a word here. There's either a word of prophecy or just kind of feels like somebody's got something. And, and you know, I could have easily let that go, but I just was, I just felt like, no, I think I'm gonna go ahead and step on that. And it, you know, it's something that it could have very easily been ignored, but I've, you know, I've learned to try to pay attention to that stuff. I'm not saying I always miss it. Probably most or get hit it. Most of the time, I'm sure I miss it. But that day, I'm just down there, so I come up, tap Adam on the shoulder, and I really didn't know what was going to happen, and then that happened. Praise God. And that's just an example of what can happen when we follow those little nuances. And that's a whole other thing about hearing the voice of God. It's, it's God's, mm. <laughs> God's voice sounds more like yours than someone else's. God's voice can oftentimes be mistaken for intuition or an idea. Because when you're really actually in tune with him, you're going to be resonating and thinking the same way that he thinks. That, that's why you come to church. That's why you read the word. That's why you engage in discipleship. It's why you renew your mind. It's why you put on the new man so that you are used to thinking how he thinks about certain subjects so that when he moves by his spirit on the inside of you, affirming and confirming his word, you then take action. And if his word is foreign to you, or his leading or his logic with a certain thing is foreign to you, and it rises up on the inside of you, you won't go that direction. You'll look at, oh, Lord, what are you saying? What's going on? Oh, I see a cardinal over there. That means I need to whatever. Wait, I'm like, there's three white rocks on the ground right by my parking spot. The three, let me see, three, you know. Three is the number. It's like where Beautiful Mind, you've seen that movie, A Beautiful Mind, or read the book, A Beautiful Mind? And he sees all these numbers and codes and everything. He's like always trying to figure out. That's what, man, that's, a, you, you laugh because it's true. I know, I'm, I'm poking some of y'all a little bit, I know. So, forgiveness, say, I'm forgiven. And I just want to affirm a few things today so that you know you walk out of here. Because you need to know 
God's on your side. You need to know God loves you. You need to go. God cares about you. You need to know God's not trying to isolate you. He's not trying to distance himself from you. You need to know the effects of the blood of Christ, who you are in him. Amen. Because some of y'all are dealing with some pretty heavy, dark sin, and you need to know that you're forgiven. In fact, the fact that God has forgiven you is the power out of it. The fact that you're not condemned. The fact that God's not holding it against you to soon punish you and judge you for it should produce such a relief and appreciation that you want to live in such a way that honors and glorifies the salvation that he gave you in Christ. You know, if you truly maturely respond to forgiveness through the blood of Christ, you want to live in a way that honors what he did for you, not trample it underfoot, not use it as an excuse to sin, not try to get away with something. But isn't it nice to know that he's not standing there looking at you with a billy club behind his back, waiting to smack you on the head for what you messed up doing? Some of you kids might not know what a billy club is. They're illegal these days. But In him we have redemption. Redemption. Say, so I am redeemed. Through his blood, you know, it's just how it works. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Not according to your works. Not according to how good you've done it, how bad you've done it, none of that. It's according to his grace. According to his power that works within you. Amen? And let me just read this too. This is Romans 3. Starting, uh, let's see, starting in 21. Philip, would you follow me through this, please? So, but now, say now, one more time, now, <laughs> the righteousness of God. Now, see, we read these and we read with Bible glasses, and so we don't know how to take this and then apply it to our actual lives. But whether or not you're experiencing provision from God is directly related to your righteousness. Whether or not you're qualified is related to your righteousness. Whether or not God is going to move in your life is related to your righteousness. And now you are righteous apart from works. So God wants to provide for you apart from your works. And he's not withholding from you until you get something right. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that he owes you everything and you just get to sit on your couch eating Cheetos waiting for him to do something for you because there's no faith in that. You know, you access the promises by faith, but faith doesn't make him give them to you. Faith enters into what he's, the way that he's trying to lead you. Are you with me? Faith is how you tune your mind and your heart to be in agreement with him so that you'll follow his word and you walk into the blessing that he has by walking uprightly. And as you walk uprightly and holy and righteously, what that does is it preserves the relationship that you have inwardly to continue to be led into the good things that he has for you. It's, you're not earning it. And the beautiful thing about that is, is you can't lose it. So you want to live holy. You want to live righteous. Why? Because it keeps your heart free of condemnation. Keeps your mind free of death, carnal thinking. It keeps you open and soft and sensitive to his word where when he wants to discipline you and he wants to prune you and purge something on the out of you and his word comes alive on the inside, it's, it's not, you're not condemned and you run away. You embrace it and you repent and you confess and you follow him through it because you are forgiven. You're not worried about him throwing you away and condemning you. So now the righteousness of God, apart from the laws revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith 
in Jesus Christ. Faith, righteousness. That's what we learn from Abraham. Faith, righteousness. Acceptance with God because we trust him. And faith is not a work. It's a dependence. So even, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Do you believe? Say, I believe. So for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified, say it with me, being justified, how? Freely. You're justified. You are justified before the Father, and you stay justified as you keep believing. Well, faith is all works is dead. Are you saying we just continue in sin? What do you think? You think that's what I'm saying? Sorry. I may have a little bit of a thorn in my side over that kind of issue because of the things that people say. And, and, and it's, just, it, it's, it, it's irritating because people don't get it. So being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. Propitiation is a, is, is, means the satisfaction of wrath or the allayment of anger. In other words, the, 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 the exchange of the penalty of breaking the law. Jesus is our propitiation. He's the exchange. It's an element of sacrifice. So whom God set forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins of the previous uh, the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time, he's talking about the Passover with the Jews coming out of Israel, to demonstrate at the present time, uh, sorry, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. See, it's his righteousness. You actually aren't righteous, but he's given you his righteousness. That's powerful. His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. Amen? Now, because of that, I want to live in a way that honors him, and I need grace to do so. So, let's keep going. Now, all right, there's this passage that's confusing in the body of Christ. It's 1 John 1, 9. Uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, have you ever been taught that this passage, this is 1 John 1, 9. You ever been taught that this passage is not for believers? So, some of you may not be following some of those teachers, but just so you know, this is a big debate in the body of Christ and even kind of a kind of almost like a niche debate amongst those who believe in the finished work of Christ. So some that believe, like what I've been saying, is that you're forgiven, you stand forgiven, would say this is not for believers. But the, the, the issue is the heart and what's going on in this world that, that causes the confusion in this. I will directly, expressly say this passage is for believers. It is for you to confess your sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now, let me ask you this. Are you unforgiven... So as a Christian, as a believer, are you unforgiven until you confess? 
So there's something in this that we kind of have to understand, right? And we got we're going to read a little bit of a passage from Jesus that puts us into puts this into perspective. So this is for believers, and let me tie this to what Jesus did here. Um, we're going to go to John 13. John 13 is the Last Supper. It's Jesus celebrating Passover with his disciples. He's getting ready to allow himself to be arrested. There's some references to Judas in here who goes to the court and turns him in and, you know, betrays him. Watch what. So I just want you to pick up here if you can see how Jesus addresses this idea here. Uh, Confess your sin and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now watch. John 13, 1. Uh, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus said to him, what I am doing, you don't understand now, but you will after this. Now, this is not the establishment of foot washing services in the church. This is almost really, in fact, a prophetic act by Jesus referencing something. Because he says right here, I'm doing something that you don't understand. Later, you'll understand what it is. Now, I love this. Let's keep going. And Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. And he says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Is he talking about his feet? I ask you again, is he talking about his feet? What's he talking about? He's talking about salvation. Since there's, there's a few ways to answer that, but essentially, yeah, talking about salvation, talking about sanctification, talking about being cleansed by the blood of Christ. Uh, you'll never wash my feet. If I don't wash you, you'll have no part with me. Then... Simon Peter said to him, well, then don't just wash my feet, wash my hands, my head. You know, Peter's, you got to love Peter. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, now, again, keep in mind, 1 John 1, 9, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. Are you bathed? But do you get your feet dirty with a little bit of sin every now and then? That's what he's talking about. Confession of your sin is an acknowledgement of you're already bathed, but while you still live in a body that has death running in it and an unrenewed mind and a soul that can be deceived and lied to and desire wicked things apart from God, you don't want unrighteousness to take root. Now, here's the thing. That cannot affect the state of your spirit. You're washed. You're bathed. Say, I'm bathed by the blood. But you need to wash your feet every now and then. And that's what confession of sin is. Are you with me? 
Again, I'm not trying to give you some big revelation. This might be a big aha for you, and I hope that it is, and I hope that it's freeing for you. It's not. It's really not that big of a jump, but it's pretty clear. Yeah, you need to confess your sin to him. Now, we'll talk about that just a little bit more. So he said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Interesting. Let me read that again. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Do you see the paradox there? He's talking about the difference between spiritual identity and still living in this earth with a soul and a mind and a body that can entertain and, and engage sin. Now, that's not to say that you have a dual nature because you've been changed into the righteousness of God in Christ, but while we're still in these bodies, we need to let his blood continually produce that sanctification. Now, reformed, reformed positions, a lot of denominational positions will teach this doctrine of progressive sanctification as if God initiates the sanctification process and the way that you live determines how sanctified you become. But what Jesus illustrates here is that you are sanctified. You are righteous. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. But while you're still in this body, sin will get in part of your being and you got to deal with it. And the way that you deal with it, you confess it. You get it out of your life. So we're going to talk about what confession actually is. So just, just to button that up, he says, before he knew he would betray him, therefore he said, you're not all clean. He was talking about um, Judas. And I think that they put that in there because people will have a tendency to think, well, I'm the one that's not clean, right? I'm just telling you, memorize this. I'm bathed, I'm completely clean, but I might need to wash my feet a little bit. And some of, some of us, those dirty feet, it might creep up a little bit higher. It gets all over our lives. <coughs> Travis is laughing over there. I'm only, I'm only imagining. Let me just keep going here. Uh, so let me go ahead and address this. Confess. If we confess our sins, the word confess here means say the same thing. It doesn't mean grovel and beg for forgiveness. Why? Because you're already forgiven. Confess means to say the same thing. It means to put on the new man. It means to renew your mind. It means to come into agreement. So for your sin, you might need to say, you know, this is killing me. This is destroying my life. This is, this is ruining my relationships. This is destroying my health. This is causing me to not trust God. I'm in prison because of this, whatever it might be, right? The confession of it is to say the same thing. And that's, that's the challenging, humbling part to, to get into agreement and recognize, you know, man, this, no, this is not good. See, you know, because an immature handling of the gospel and an immature, undeveloped understanding of the finished work of Christ doesn't understand where the lines are in terms of how to deal with sin. You know, because sometimes people will push it so far and they're like, well, you know, just don't worry about it. Just praise God in your sin, you know. I mean, I've had people that just really wanted for an excuse to stay in sin. It's like, well, if you're having sin, just rejoice right in the middle of it. 
thinking that they're encouraging people to like get over it maybe, but it's just, there's just, there's a lot of goofiness taught about it. So confess means to say the same thing. Now, what happens is when you say the same thing about your sin, and, and you know, if you've ever been through a 12-step program or you've ever been through any type of counseling, there's a lot of this. You've got to own it. You've got to embrace it. You've got to admit the truth to yourself. You've got to quit lying to yourself. That's what he's talking about here. Confess the sin. And, and it's not even necessarily you're confessing it to him. You think it's like, God, I need to tell you what I've been doing. It's for you. It's for you to let it up and look at it and recognize this is who I think that I am because I've been living this way and I need to get it out of the way and remember that as I look in the mirror of the word, I should see Jesus in the mirror. But if I see guilt and condemnation, you hadn't de- there's some sin stuff you hadn't dealt with. And, and a, lot of, a lot of times it's just thought patterns for us, right? So practically, what do you do? You go to the Lord and you just blatantly, honestly open your heart to him and you ask for help because he's faithful and just to forgive you. And what that means is he's going to stir up his spirit on the inside of you to first off remind you that you're forgiven, to remind you of his love for you, right? To supply grace where sin abounds, grace much more abounds and grace is an inner power to help you. Every time you have an opportunity to fall into sin, there's more of an opportunity to choose his grace and say no to it. If you think that you still have a sin nature, and that's weird terminology anyway, then you've got an excuse for your sin. But under grace, sin has no more power over you. Do you know why you sin? Because you like it. You get something out of it. Or you've been traumatized so much that you're not sure who you really are and it kind of is part of your identity. And so you repeat the habits of it. But as soon as you recognize that it doesn't have power over you, man, freedom, boom, right off the bat. So you want to be honest with it to yourself mostly and turn to the Lord. And just like Peter, you just get your feet washed. He's cleansing you. You know, it's like he's always trying to do this process for you. But but you got to be honest with yourself. Get in the mirror. Get alone. And confess it. Say the same thing. Now, you will feel guilt. You will feel condemnation. But it's not from him because Jesus paid the penalty for that guilt and shame and condemnation on the cross for you. Jesus was condemned for you so that God will never condemn you. There's a difference between convict and condemn. Convict is, yeah, this is a thing in your life, but Jesus was judged. So conviction, like a legal process, you commit a crime, you're um, judged for the crime, the conviction comes in. In other words, there's an admission that it's you. Then the condemnation and the sentencing happens. The condemnation is prison, death, whatever and the sentencing with it, you Jesus paid that for you. And again, if you think because he paid it for you, that's going to give people a license or a desire to go and want to do it, then, then you're... Do you interpret that? Tom, will you interpret that for me? You know what I mean by that? Grow up. Thank you. Who said that? Yeah, you got it. You got it. 
Now, let me read this too, because, you know, it's, it's, this, is, this is another area, because there's so much instruction of how to live in Scripture, and we want to take it seriously and actually apply it and live that way. We want to live holy lives. We want to live set-apart lives. We want to live within the holiness and righteousness that we've given. We want to live above reproach. We want to live free from sin, and we should. That should be a natural desire for us, and that is the expectation. So then you read a passage like this, and this is, uh, you know, I hope you catch this. First Peter 1 through, First Peter 1, 5 through 9, we're going to read. Uh, so he says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Follow me along if you would. Uh, in this, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Wait a minute. That's the wrong selection. Philip, what was that first Peter section on there? Give me a minute. Let me find the right one because this is powerful. Because this is, this is the practical application about the expectation of how to live and adding to your life the 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 sorry let me just find it here because it's important yeah i don't know if that was a different translation or what but anyway first peter one five is that what we were on it didn't read the same way. Go back to 1 Peter 1, 5. I may have put it in wrong. So what I'm looking at is, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. 2 Peter. I mistyped. 2 Peter 1, 5. You're off the hook, Philip. 2 <laughs> Peter 1, 5. We'll give him a minute here to give it. Woo Aren't you thankful for the media team back there that spends a lot of time, puts effort into this stuff? I appreciate them. I know our online crew. Second Peter 1.5, if you'll jump over there for me. You can just pull it up. It doesn't matter what it looks like. There we go. All right, here we go. My bad. But also for this reason, now, if you're familiar with this, you take this as, man, I got to do this, and then I got to add this, and I got to add this, and I got to add this. And it kind of is that, but watch the resolution, watch how it resolves. And you'll see what I'm saying if you're unfamiliar with this. Second Peter 1, 5, but also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Don't you want to live virtuously? To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. Now, if you kind of have this flesh orientation of how to follow God, man, you, you're like, ooh, yeah. Mm, this gives me some rules. This gives me something to really dig into. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. These are all great things. We should desire these things, right? So, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither barren, uh, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, watch this. I love this. 
For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. If you aren't living the way that the Bible prescribes for you to live, it's because you have forgotten that you are forgiven. If you aren't living the way that the Bible prescribes for you to live, maybe it's because you never knew in the first place that you were and are forgiven. Do you see that? This is really a big deal. There's something supernatural and spiritual in owning your forgiveness, in knowing that you stand before the Father forgiven. And if there's a behavior that you're struggling with, it might be because you don't know that you're forgiven. You might need to go to him, confess it, get your feet washed so that you experience the freedom from it, recognizing all along that he's not condemning you. You just don't know that you're forgiven. And it's almost, so, so we know that the strength of sin is the law. And when you have this, and it's just, a, it's hard to kind of put into words, but it's this spiritual thing that happens on the inside of us when we carry the guilt and we carry the condemnation and we aren't displaying these behaviors. If you let yourself experience the forgiveness of God, it then starts to drive the grace power, grace power, to fuel this kind of behavior. You don't have much brotherly love. Where are you harboring something on the inside of you where you're not letting yourself? Now, see, the mystical crowd jumps into, oh, you haven't forgiven. If this is not working in your life, then you need to forgive them. And then somehow that will unlock and break the curse and break the soul tie and close the door and break and rebuke the devourer and unhinge the tubes that are whatever. <laughs> if you've been in charismania long enough, you know that there's chops and cuts and pokes and arrows and soul ties and whatevers. Right? You ever been in that stuff? I'm not saying it's not completely valid, but it just gets a little strange sometimes. I just hope that this is super clear to you. If you lack these things, in other words, all the list of stuff that, 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 regard, that clearly lays out how you should be living, if you lack that stuff, it's because you forgot that you have been cleansed. Isn't that exactly opposite from what most of Christianity teaches? It's like, okay, well, you got to get cleansed so that you will live virtuously. No, I'm not living virtuously because I forgot that I've been cleansed. I still, I'm looking at my dirty toes and I'm thinking that that's who I am. And I'm going to make decisions that feel good in alignment with where I've been walking and getting my feet dirty because that feels good to me and it kind of feels familiar to me in this moment. I'm going to stay in that and you reckon, no, I don't, want, I don't want dirty feet in this area where I should be virtuous. I need to remind myself of the forgiveness that I have in Christ, that I stand sanctified and cleansed. And when you, we all know this. Your behavior directly reflects who you think that you are. In other words, the things that you do are the result of your self-image. You won't let yourself do things that are contrary to who you think that you are and the value that you have for yourself, right? So the areas of sin that you keep falling into that are contrary to the righteousness of God in Christ are areas where you got dirty feet 
and you're letting it define who you think that you are. And what you need to do is remember that you're forgiven. Remember, no, the blood of Christ cleansed that stuff out of me. And then what you do is you push back that guilt and that condemnation and that shame, and you host the finished work of Christ in you. You host the power of the blood of Christ to give you and supply to you grace and knowledge and wisdom and capacity and virtue and patience and joy and peace and righteousness. And you love it, and it's a fruit, not a goal, not a bar, not a hurdle. Quit forgetting. Maybe that should be the title, Quit Forgetting. Chris, if you come on up, if you would, please. Maybe a little bit long today, but just stand up with me, if you would. I just, I just want to think about this. I just want to maybe even just walk through a process. Man, this could get really ugly if we start confessing our sin here, huh? But I, I just want you to, you know, ask yourself, do I actually even really understand? Do I even really believe that I'm fully forgiven? 100% past, present, future? Do I really even believe that? And do I know how to live within that? Do I know how to put that mindset on? The areas of life that I'm struggling in, it's not that you got to get better at being godly in it. It's that you have to know how to put that identity on because that's who you already are and let yourself live from that power. It's, you see the difference? You're not trying to live in such a way to become something. You're trying to recognize that you are and be empowered to live in agreement with who you actually are. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the, your word that we can dig in and pull these pearls out and, and diamonds and look at them and grow and learn. Thank you for the maturity that your word produces. Thank you for your spirit that's alive on the inside of us. And, and for today, we thank you that you're a safe place to come to. Just use your imagination for just a moment and just see yourself going to the Lord. And he's not mad at you. He's happy you're there. He loves you. Yeah, there may be something that you need to mess you to deal with. You need to clean this up. But he's not condemning you over it. He wants to help you. He loves you. He already knows. He already knows and he doesn't condemn you for it. Jesus, you're a safe place. I don't have to hide from you. I can be totally honest with you. I can bear my heart fully to you. And I want it out of my life. Just tell him that. I don't want this anymore. You're the only help that I have. I thank you that I'm forgiven. Just echo these words in your mind and in your heart. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I don't want this in my life anymore. I yield to your spirit. I yield to your lifeblood in me to just wash this out. I'm clean but you're continually helping me experience that clean state. I'm pure, I'm holy, and I thank you for helping me experience that in every aspect of my being. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that as we remember that we've been washed and cleansed, that we step into that sanctification and we live lives that are 
honoring of you, that glorify you, that are an example to other people, to show them the power of your spirit on the inside of us, bringing us to a place of health, emotional stability, powerful beings to be able to say no to temptation, to say no to anxiety and fear and sin and anger and all the stuff. God, I thank you that we're so confident in our in your presence in us that we know how to trust you. We know how to lean on you and be empowered by you in the face of it. He who is in me is greater than he who's in the world. I'm clean in my spirit. Help me live from the power of that, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. I give you this, Jesus. I give this to you. I put myself in front of you for you to wash my feet. To just remove that bit that I've put on there since you've cleansed me. But I'm clean. Spirit, that you're weaving that into our minds and our hearts, helping us be rooted and grounded in your love for us, being rooted and grounded in your grace that works through us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence that brings forgiveness and healing and wholeness. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus.